Well, Mike, we have finally made it. It is playoff season in the Ontario Hockey League, and we are going to break down the first round matchup between the Owen Sound Attack and the London Knights. Maybe some other picks and lead us in as we get ready here on episode 45 of the Night Shift. Kyle Grimard, Mike Stubbs, your hosts. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're also up at globalnews.ca. Stubbs, 982Bs, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. Mike, it has been a long season. We've had some high highs. It started off with a little bit of a low, but we're here. And Friday night at Budweiser Gardens, there will be playoff hockey. That's it. For a while, I think, down the stretch, it just seemed like London was going to meet Kitchener. The fates were just going to cause them to align. And then on the last day of the regular season, Owen Sound picks up a win in Flint. Kitchener loses to the London Knights. And here we go. These two teams are going to meet up yet again. And it is a yet again. There have been some really interesting matchups between these two clubs. When Owen Sound won the OHL championship in 2011, it was the London Knights they went through in round one. And the Knights actually took them to six games. And Steven Sanza suffered an injury in that game. And that was one of the games or one of the series that Owen Sound looks back at and says, yeah, we learned how to play playoff hockey there. And we went and won an OHL championship. And then in 2016, Owen Sound returned the favor because the London Knights took on an Owen Sound team that was ready. And they pushed the Knights to a whole new level. The Knights won the series in six games. Sound familiar? And then didn't lose again. They won 17 in a row all the way to winning the Memorial Cup. And in Owen Sound's defense in 2011, if Joey Hishon, had not been knocked out of that tournament, I think Owen Sound had a real shot at winning the Memorial Cup that year. So these two teams have been instrumental in each other's success, but they tend to meet up a whole lot. The fans in Owen Sound are phenomenal. It is old school. They are on top of you. But Kyle will focus in on the first two games of this series being played in London. You can still get tickets in the lower bowl, yep. LondonKnights.com. You can get tickets in the upper bowl. There are some left. Not many, so get them quick, but LondonKnights.com, and it is a 7 o'clock start time on Friday, March 31st, and then the teams meet at 2 p.m. on Sunday, April the 2nd, avoiding April Fool's Day. That's always a good thing. And then they go to Owen Sound for Tuesday, April the 4th, and Thursday, April the 6th, and then we count things up and see where we sit. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, I, I want to start with this because we have some people that we're going to talk to today. Uh, Rick Stedman on preparation, Freddie Wallace, like you mentioned, Max McHugh on, you know, thoughts from last year heading into this year. Ryan Humphrey, obviously an OHL champion, along with George Diaco and Ryan Winterton and all those guys. So we'll, we'll have them coming up later on in the show. But how would you, if you are a London Knight right now, Mike, view this series specifically these first few games and really getting things going well the knights have a win over owen sound that was a 9-1 victory on home ice i'd want to not rest on that and think okay we beat them on home ice 9-1 last time we played them here good i'm glad we got these guys in round one you don't want to let your mind travel back to that too much the Owen Sound attack jumped out to a 5 to nothing lead the last time these two teams met, and then the Knights' battle back nearly tied it. So London knows that they can get to Owen Sound offensively. I think that's what you do, and you allow yourself to feel some confidence offensively. But I think Owen Sound is really going to show what they have 
in their physicality. And there are a couple of players who I think are going to be big in this series that the Knights will have to be, you know, ready to almost endure. And that is Jackson Stewart up front, who brings a real physical presence. And it's Teddy Sawyer on the back end, who, again, is physical, is nasty, and is just the kind of guy that in the playoffs tends to really get noticed. And so I think those two players are going to be big. I expect, and I don't know this for sure, but I expect Owen Sound to come out and try and be physical with the London Knights. And I think the Knights can be physical right back. So we may see a lot of hitting early on in this series. If we do, you know, that's that's going to be something the Knights have to get used to and have to battle through. If the Knights can get that mojo, that swagger, that offensive groove going, then they're going to be in good shape. And that's what they're going to want to do. The own sound attack, you'll hear Fred Wallace talk about this. Their goaltending this year looked like a real strength at the beginning of the season because Nick Chenard is in his overage year, but he's had a tough year. And Corbin Votary was returning, and Votary in some ways has had a tough year. Their best goalie is Carter George, but he's playing for the St. Mary's Lincolns, and they're playing in the GOJHL Western Conference Final right now. Carter George is only 16 years old. He was drafted in 2022, but he went 7-3 and three this year with Owen Sound. He's actually a backup in St. Mary's because Mateo Lalama has had a tremendous year and he's the number one goalie for the Lincolns. But Carter George cannot join the Owen Sound attack until the St. Mary's Lincoln season is finished. And so he is not there, but he's been their best goalie. So Fred Wallace, will get into that in just a little bit. I'm very intrigued, Mike, as to who they go with in game one, because as you mentioned, Nick Chenard played 35 games, uh, Corbin Votary played 30. So it's not like there's a big discrepancy in who's played more games and who's played less. And all oh, they'll probably give it to the guy that's played 40 games versus the guy that's played 20. No, they're within five games of one another. They've each had a good long stretch of games where each guy's played. I wouldn't be shocked if Corbin Votary's the guy, to be honest with you. I'm going to make the guess that they're going to give the tie to the veteran in this situation. Maybe Chenard gets game one, but it's a short leash, in my opinion, because they've got both guys. It's almost like a 1A, 1B split where the team will go, we're going to go with the goalie that's the hot hand. And if they pick one and he doesn't play well in game one, they're going to go to the second guy. If the first guy plays well, they'll stick with him in game two. If he doesn't play well in game two, they'll switch for game three. I, I think that's going to be the way it goes. I think, Mike, for the London Knights, it's fast starts. They've got to start out, use the energy and crowd of Budweiser Gardens, get out, and don't let Owen Sound come into your barn and silence the arena. There's been a lot of hype. The whole week has been a buildup. They just had their playoff party yesterday at Massey's No Frills, and now they're leading up with all this buildup and energy, and you don't want to take give Owen Sound the ability to take all the energy out of the crowd in the first 10, 15 minutes. Get off to a fast start. Throw some hits. If you can pop in a goal, that just would ignite things. I think that would set the, uh, the stage for the Knights, at least in game one, to get off on the right track. That's the perfect recipe right there. Keep that crowd on your side. Come out. And that's something the Knights have had meetings about this year. And when they've come off that, we can remember a game against the Sarnia Sting. It was after they had one of those meetings. Logan Mayhew had said, we got together and we talked about our starts. We weren't happy about our starts. They came out and had eight shots in the first three minutes. Now, in Sarnia's case, all of those shots were stopped. And that ended up being a really tight game that the Sting won 3-2. But it was what the Knights can do off the bat. So that's excellent. 
How have they been preparing? Well, let's get you some behind the scenes insight on that. Here is Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman. Yeah, you know what? We just go back. We watch a whole bunch of games uh, individually. Then we watch a bunch of games together as a coaching staff, see what they're doing, see if there's any trends, if they change stuff from before. Um, and just uh, really just try to figure out what, they, what they're trying to do, um, how they're trying to win games. And then we try to put something together that hopefully gives us a win. Interesting. So you watch individually first and then come together as a group. What do you find that does? Well, that, we put it all on the computer, so when it's on the computer, it's a lot easier to see. You can rewind, go back and forth, and, and different things happen in different games. Sometimes they switch up their D zone or what they're trying to do. So just try to keep it apart. Then we, when we come back, we talk about, oh, did you see the forecheck as this, or did you see it as that? And, and then you can go through and go, oh, they're doing that this game, so we should be aware of that too. It just kind of changes everything up and gives everybody a chance to kind of get in their head what they think about it, and then we come back together and see if, what they do uh, on the other games. Teams will be adapting. You almost think of a, a football team. They'll have a play that maybe they use in week one that they don't use again and all of a sudden they think you know we're gonna go back and grab that so how far back do you allow yourselves to go to say well here's something that they have done before and they could do it again yeah, I mean, we, we went back seven, eight games uh, of their last seven, eight games, plus our, our last few games that we played them. Um, and then we'll go back and watch all the goals they scored, too. Usually when you do a trick play that you like, you scored a goal on it. So hopefully we might be able to find something there. But you can only prepare for so much. And some of those things are just preparing your, your own D zone, your own face-offs. If we do this, these things won't happen. So it's a little combination of making sure you know, have an idea what they're going to do most times, but your D zone and, and coverages are all, all set up. When you look at who you want to have in your lineup, how much does that affect who you're playing where you think this guy can play against this team? No, 100%. Uh, we go back through all the stats, how they did against uh, Owen Sound, um, whether scoring chances against or points at those games. And, and some, some guys just play good against certain teams and they get more points than, than you would expect or they have a better plus than you would expect. And it definitely goes into it because you, you want to give yourself the best chance. And, and uh, some guys just have the better luck in the, in the smaller barns or at home. Or, and it's just kind of going through all the things and just giving yourself the best chance. You've played in that rink. It's... It's tough. Guys are on top of you. Fans are on top of you. The players having played there before, is that something that, you know, you think they, they know what it's like? It's not like we're, we're going to a new league, uh, a new building no one's ever been in? Yeah, you know what? I, I, they, they know what it's like, but it's still, like you said, it, it's got... Uh, one of those arenas that has an old-school feel where the fans are right on top of you. They're yelling at you. They hate when another team comes in there. Uh, the team plays hard. They do everything they can to, to sh- put a good show on for their fans. So no matter what, uh, you go in there. You know it's going to be a hard game, but because we've been in there a few times, you know what it's like. You know what's going to happen. You know they got the base short bounce, and they're going to use it against you. Uh, so you just you know what's going to happen. You just got to make sure you're mentally prepared to do it. Coming off two wins to close out the season, is that something that that plays a factor in anything? Yeah, I think it was awesome. I think that those two last wins, well, Saturday for sure, with, with a lot of our top guys out, all those young guys coming in, I thought it was a huge boost for those guys. Uh, trying to learn all year and then going out and executing and beating a team that, a really tough team that finished first overall. That I think they did a good job as a group of, group of younger guys and we usually put in a lineup. And then coming back on, on Sunday, knowing that, yeah, we need to win, but but you never know what's going to happen. So I thought the guys did a good job preparing for it, making sure ah, we want to win for our fans, we want to win for our overagers, we want to go into the, the playoffs with a win instead of a loss. And I thought we came together really well as a group and then played a good, solid game. Good luck with everything. Thanks, Dubsy. London Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman. So they watch games individually. 
Then they come together. This coaching staff is so diligent. What you see behind the scenes, the things that they will notice, the one thing that their teams always are is prepared and calm going into a series. It what It's what has made the Knights typically a, a very hard out in a lot of the series that they played going back to when Dale Hunter began things. His first playoff series as a coach was with an eight seed London Knight team that beat a number one seed Plymouth Whaler team. And then the Knights went into the second round and they very nearly wound up upsetting the eventual champion, Erie Otters. The Otters had to win in overtime in game six. And well, we know some of the stories after that. Kyle, last year, the Knights, like this year, were a two seed, and they played the number seven seed Kitchener Rangers. And Kitchener got an amazing goaltending performance from Pavel Chayon. The London Knights were dealing with some injuries at that point. The Knights have been getting guys back from injury this year. It's been a little bit different. And the Kitchener Rangers took the Knights to overtime. And we can think back to four good chances for the Knights that wouldn't go in. And then the Kitchener Rangers get a goal from Mike Batesian, and they win. As a player, it's something that, that has to be there in your mind, right? If you were a part of that, isn't that still there somewhere in your mind? It absolutely is. It's not something that you forget, especially if it's only been a year since. Um, it's a moment that your team that you were expected to go a little further. You, you, you place yourself as the second seed team for a reason. And listen, those battles against Kitchener are always hard fought, but as you know, as a player on a team, you were always expected to come out and win. I bet if it were vice versa, Kitchener would be feeling the same way, but players remember that feeling. You remember losing game seven overtime on home ice in the first round and you go as a player back, whether you're a goalie, whether you're a player, whether you on the ice, whether you were on the bench and you got a, a, a front row seat to it, you go, I'm not feeling that again. That's the last thing in the world I want to feel. And I, there are a lot of Knights players that are returning from last year that were on the ice, on the bench when that happened. And I'm telling you right now, they do not want that happening again. I know that's an obvious statement, but it cannot be overstated enough. They are going to do everything in their power to not let that happen. One of those players, Max McHugh. And we asked him whether the team not necessarily thinks about it, but do they actually bring it up? No, we don't like to talk about it too much. Uh, you know, we all know what happened. Um, so we don't really uh, you know, want to you know, bring back memories of that or, or talk about it. But, you know, it's always in the back of our mind that, um, you know, the seven seed beat us last year and uh, we won't let that happen again. When you look at what you want to do in game one, is there any anything that will tell you, you know, that's what we wanted to see? Or... I think just compete, honestly. Uh, you know, last year in game one, we came out a little flat and, um, you know, we lost that one and then we were chasing the series a little bit. So um, just come out in game one and, you know, match their energy. We know they're going to be coming out hard. So um, just playing hard and um, doing the systems that Dale's teaching us to do right now. London Knights forward Max McHugh on last year. It's in the back of your mind, sure, but it's not something that they're bringing up. It's not something that they are going to try to use for motivation, but it's just there. And that that's almost helpful. The other thing yeah. is very helpful. Kyle, the other thing that is very helpful is having players who have won before. And the Knights don't just have one of those players. They have three. You outlined it earlier. George Diaco, Ryan Winterton, and Ryan Humphrey, all members of the Hamilton Bulldogs who won an OHL championship last year. And we had a chance to talk with Ryan Humphrey 
about this week, what it's been like getting ready, and the fact that the playoffs have arrived. Yep, I mean, I think it changes in a good way, like ramps up, we're excited, I mean, we have a really good group, and um, I think we can all handle it pretty well, so I'm just excited more than anything, honestly. You know about the marathon that this is, you know the toll that it takes, especially for a guy like you who plays so physical. What do you tell the guys about long-range stuff do you bother looking ahead or do you try and keep it real tight to the first series honestly it's the same as regular season you got to look at it game by game and you got to go out at the end of the day it's the same game as the regular season right so um i think just for us we look at it game by game we with the group we have we should have no problems going up against one opponent how much do you try and know about them and how much just becomes about what you guys do oh yeah a ton we're trying to know everything about them <laughs> what they ate that day no but um yeah, we try to figure out everything about them, and I mean, we got a seven-game series against one team, so um, the more we know about them, and then um, I think we know each other pretty well at this point in the season, and just trying to get our systems golden, and um, trusted Dale, and trusting the whole staff to get us ready. So, When you were with Hamilton, Hamilton-Owen Sound's not so much of a rivalry, but there's a London-Owen Sound rivalry. These teams meet in the playoffs, so playing in that building, what has that been like? Oh yeah, that, that building's different. Um, you feel like they're gonna cave in on you at any moment during the game but um i mean that's what it's all about right like can't play through that then don't bother coming out so how much fun is this time of year oh my god it's the best time i mean like you said earlier it's it's physically taxing on you it's mentally taxing it's a lot but that's what makes it worth it at the end of the day and um there's no better feeling than a championship that's that's the goal so what do you remember from last year maybe that last game because it came down to a game seven for you what what still stands out in your mind that maybe is that carrot off in the distance that you're thinking yeah we need to get that again yeah um I mean just seeing the guys I mean you go through so much with your family your friends your teammates the staff like just to get that championship at the end it's just such a relief and it's just kind of like a testament to how much you've been through it's the most unbelievable feeling so I'm definitely trying to chase that every year putting the trophy above your head you still see that Oh my God, I see it. Yeah, I have 18 pictures um, over my bed at night. So, um, yeah, it's needless to say, I love it. 18 pictures. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. Yeah. Very few people love playing the game of hockey as much as Ryan Humphrey. And there are his thoughts 18 pictures above his bed. I don't know if he was exaggerating or not. Looking up and seeing, yeah, that's what it was like to win the OHL championship last year. And Kyle, when George Diaco arrived, when Ryan Winterton and Ryan Humphrey arrived in London, all of them said the same thing. They knew they were coming to a team that had designs on winning. And that trio got to within one win of a Memorial Cup championship, only to have the St. John Sea Dogs take it away. They remember that. So as much as we can talk about London and Kitchener from last year, those guys are remembering Hamilton and St. John, and there's a motivating factor. And what have we seen from Ryan Winterton down the stretch? God, he has just been uh, a he has been the player as advertised when he was brought over from Hamilton. He came back. He was in the trade with Hamilton. He hadn't played a game this season. So when he was coming over. Here's a guy who was playing catch up while every other player was in midseason form. It was like his training camp. So he's trying to get adjusted with everything. And even when it was quote, when he was quote unquote, slowly picking things up, 
He was staying at a point per game pace and down the stretch and over the last few games, he has really exploded and become the player that you exactly had pictured coming over from Hamilton. He finished the season with 12 goals and 24 assists. This is all just happening in 34 games. That's over a 70 point pace over an entire season. And he did it. Like I said, halfway through the year when everyone else was already in peak form. And I think that is a testament to how good and how important a player Ryan Winterton is. And now that he's got his mojo right at the perfect time heading into the playoffs, He's not only going to be a key cog from what his experience was, he's going to be a key cog for what he does on the ice every night. And he's going to be a main contributor and he will be a big difference maker for this team. Bingo. Well, we're recording this on Thursday morning, March the 30th. So five series begin later on Thursday night. We are going to talk about those in just a moment, but even before we get there, we had a chance to sit down with Fred Wallace who had been the longtime voice of the Owen Sound attack. He called goals like the Game 7 winner that Jared Maiden scored that won Owen Sound their first OHL championship. They won it in Mississauga. As the bus drove back, fans lined the road all the way to Owen Sound. It felt like every town they went through, there were people out cheering as they went by. It was incredible. And again, they had a great performance going at the Memorial Cup before their top offensive player, Joey Hishon, was knocked out with a vicious elbow and did not finish. And it actually probably led to the early end to what could have been a very good career for Joey Hishon. But Fred Wallace takes us through this year's Owen Sound Attack, the 2022-2023 Owen Sound Attack. You can find Fred online very easily. You just look up the hashtag, I'm working. So we had to ask Fred whether we'd caught him working. <laughs> yeah, always working. That's the thing, Mike. In, in Owen Sound, uh, whether it's the attack or something else, people will find new and inventive things for you to do. So, yes, I am working. How are you? I am great. The best hashtag on the Internet is I'm working, and it's Fred's own. There's a picture that Fred posted this year of Ron McLean coming up to talk with him, and there was the hashtag Ron McLean. I'm working. I did it once, and I got such a good reaction from it that I just couldn't stop doing it. So <laughs> that's my hashtag. I'm working. Still makes me smile, and and you are. And, Fred, if we look, the London Knights and the Owen Sound Attack go to work against each other yet again. Don't you love what these two teams bring out in each other in playoff series? Even though, you know, we don't tend to see a lot of game sevens, it, it usually <laughs> tends to go one way or the other, sometimes pretty quick. Yeah, just just thinking about the the series, you're right. They have been eventful, but uh, I, I think the only one that wasn't a good series was uh, 2007 when uh, Kane and Gagne sort of ran the roost and and ran four straight over Owen Sound that had Bobby Ryan and Wayne Simmons. I think you know on on that Owen Sound team there were probably eight to ten guys that ended up in the National Hockey League. So that was the only really lopsided series in the group. So we'll see what transpires, you know, starting on Friday night. Fred, one of the big questions going into any playoff series, is the health of players. And if you look, Owen Sound has Colby Barlow, who is one of the most dynamic and dangerous players in the OHL, but he hasn't played since March 15th. Do we read anything into that, or has he just been getting himself ready in 100%? 
I think the team's been cautious with Colby. Uh, Colby's our best player, which which tells you, you know, who London or who anybody will be facing in this playoff series, Mike, is, is that our best player is a 17-year-old, and, and there's really uh, quite a drop-off from, from Colby onwards. So basically, it, it's it's legit that he did get hurt, but to the degree to make him miss that amount of time, I think there's more caution involved there. Some of the other injuries are, are a little bit uh, more significant. You know, Gavin Bryant, uh, when he's healthy, is a pretty important part of the hockey team, and, and Gavin has missed long stretches of time. So injuries injuries are a concern with Owen Sound, but it's not necessarily an excuse for why we finished seventh this year. Gavin is from Ingersoll, and you're right. He missed early uh, a number of games, and then he's missed some late. Is, is anybody expected to be out, or is that something we wait for game one to find out? Well, I think Gavin will be out uh, just just based on the way things go. You know, he he's told Matt Hermes, who does the the play by play for Bear Radio, that that he wants to be back. But but again, I I think that's maybe the optimism of of an eighteen year old. Uh, Caleb Lawrence came back. Madden Steeden came back uh, very very late. You know, so from from that standpoint, I I don't think we're a hundred percent healthy, but we're healthier than than we've been for quite some time in Owen Sound. Fred Wallace joining us from Owen Sound as we get set for the Knights and the attack and game number one, two, three, and four, and then we'll see beyond that. Fred, how about goaltending? Goaltending seems to be an interesting conversation in Owen Sound in that Carter George has been playing for the St. Mary's Lincolns where he's been in behind Mateo Lalama as a backup. The St. Mary's Lincolns are, well, one game into their series and that means that they still have a long road to go, perhaps, before Carter George becomes available. Not sure if he'd be a guy that would jump right into the net in Owen Sound, but can you talk about the buzz around him and how he's played this year in the 10 games he's been with Owen Sound? Well, I'm not sure what uh, what St. Mary's did in their opening game, but uh, if if they you know if they were to go out eliminated, uh, Carter George would get the start in Game Four, Mike. There, there's no question about that. Uh, as I said, our, our best player is 17 year old Colby Barlow. Our best goaltender is 16 year old uh, Carter George. And again, it's a, it's an extremely small sample size of 10 games. But this is not just me talking. This is the organization talking. You know, privately, off the record, whatever you want to call it, they're saying their best chance to win is is with Carter George and Nett. So so that tells you, you know, with, with no offense to, to two pretty good guys, but our goaltending by and large for this year has been adequate if I if I'm being kind. It, it hasn't you know, there's no Michael McNiven in the group. There's no Jordan Bennington. There's no Scott Stager. There's no Brent Johnson. There's no Curtis Sanford. There's no Jamie Storr here. Uh, these two guys have had their ups and, and a lot of downs with our goaltending. And so again, you know, there there is some buzz about Carter George, but he wouldn't be available at the earliest until game four. But the the sequence unless something really remarkable happens, he gives Owen Sound their their best chance to win. Fred this year, a lot of returnees for the Owen Sound attack. Next year, a lot of returnees for the Owen Sound attack. What's it been like to watch this group grow together? Well, really, they've gone backwards. Uh, you know, you look at, at what they did last year from probably family day onwards, and you, you were pretty excited about this year. So I think if you had Dale DeGray on the phone, Mike, he would, he would be honest with you and tell you that this year has been a disappointment to major, maybe a major disappointment. You know, you had all those guys returning, and some of the production has, has just not been there. Uh, and, and the really scary part of all of this is that underneath, we've got minimal production from our underages. It's almost been historical 
monthly low. And the frightening thing about that, Mike, is that, you know, we got into this situation once upon a time where we had Nick Suzuki and Marcus Phillips and uh, Sean Dersey and Kevin Hancock, and we had to trade four or five guys because we knew if we didn't, we'd have a disaster in Owen Sound. So I'm hoping that's not the case here in Owen Sound, but the forecast or the way things have gone from probably the end of January on have not been that uh, optimistic here in Owen Sound. I guess finally, in terms of a style, is there a style that Owen Sound plays that you expect to see <laughs> in round one? <laughs> Hold on for dear life, uh, I think, is the style. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, Mike. The, London has advantages almost in, in every category that you can think of going into this series. And I would suggest that the biggest advantage is on the blue line. And this is what's happened to Owen Sound all season long is that in every game, virtually every game, except maybe when we play Erie or Oshawa, the best defenseman in the game, if not the most dominant player in the game, is the other team's blue liner. And if we play Guelph, it's Bushinger. If we play Kitchener, it's, it's Brustavich. If we play Barry, Clark comes back. If we play London, you can pick one of four guys that, that I'm sure Mark Hunter wouldn't trade for anybody on our blue line. So, so that's, that's our style of play is, is scramble and hang in there, and I think you'll see that early and often. Fred, we'll see what happens. Thanks so much for the time. No, no problem, Mike. We'll see you in Owen Sound April 4th. That is Fred Wallace, who for a long, long time was the voice of the Owen Sound attack, still very, very close with the team and a phenomenal human being. Can't wait to see Fred in Owen Sound. Owen Sound is such a passionate community, and the Knights get a chance to spend some time there, but they're looking for a couple of victories there. Kyle, as we record this on Thursday morning, March the 30th, the OHL playoffs set to begin in just a few hours. Let's take a look around at some of the other series because some of them are really intriguing. You would think, and as we start, maybe let's look at Windsor Kitchener. You would think, wait a minute, the Kitchener Rangers are the best eighth place team that we've seen in a long time they're led by a second round nhl pick of the la kings in francesco pinelli they have a guy who's won before in net in marco costantini you've got the goalie that has won an ohl championship they picked up leighton moore you've got roman schmidt you've got hunter bristevich on the point they've got philip Machar. i can just run through their entire team they have a really really good roster they're the eighth seed, and they're going up against Windsor. And you might think, well, that could make for a long series. But I look back over all the games that Windsor and Kitchener played this year. Windsor swept them 4 nothing, and it didn't seem like they were breaking a sweat very often. They went to overtime once, but Windsor swept the season series in four straight. Do you think Kitchener can get it together? Or is that just the same question we've been asking since October? Listen, a lot of people last year were having the same conversations when they went into a series against the London Knights. The Knights, they got Brett Brochu back. They have all their big guns. How are they going to stop Evangelista and Stranges in this high scoring? And then they did. And they found a way to beat them. And then they went to the second round and took that second round series to a, a lot longer than everyone was expecting. I, th this is just, there's a reason I think uh, there might be a lot of people that would have wanted Kitchener as a London Knights fan. I totally get that. And I think there were some people that were a little hesitant. That went, if we don't play them, that's okay. And that's because I think this team has the capabilities of surprising some people. You know, it's funny, Mike, you went through a bunch of lifts of players. You forgot to mention 
uh, Francesco or Curry, who was leading the team in points, who had 48 goals on the year. And that is a guy, in my opinion, who I feel like he's involved in almost every play that the Kitchener Rangers go down and score on. So that I would not put it past Kitchener if this series is a lot tighter than a lot of people are expecting. If this goes six or seven, I wouldn't be shocked. Another series that gets going on Thursday night is the battle of the I-75. They have the I-75 Divide Cup every year, Saginaw and Flint. Congratulations to the Saginaw Spirit. They will host the 2024 Memorial Cup Tournament, and they yep. will do a great job. And anybody in Sault Ste. Marie or Kingston or Niagara who's listening right now, really, you know what the nod is here? The reason why this team won and your teams did not. I know Sault Ste. Marie was feeling really slighted in all of this. It really does come down to the team on the ice. You can look at all four of these cities and say all of these cities can host. All of these cities have all of the amenities that you need. Niagara's got a beautiful building in a beautiful downtown. Everything's right tight. Kingston, same thing. Sault Ste. Marie, same thing. Hotels are so close to the rink in Sault Ste. Marie. You would not need shuttles. Players can basically walk across the street or across a parking lot from their, their own hotel because every team gets their own hotel and you could be there. So... There is everything there, but Saginaw next year on the ice, that is a team that is going to be ready to play in the Memorial Cup. I don't think you can say the same about Sault Ste. Marie or Kingston or Niagara, and that really is the reason. And it's one of the reasons, Kyle, that this is a, an intriguing series now because Saginaw knows, hey, this is prep time for us. This is, this is practice time for us at the same time as we try and win this year. We want to get some experience for anybody who doesn't have any experience, like Michael Misa, in the playoffs. Here we go against Flint. Flint is high-powered. I give Saginaw the edge in this series, though, for the fact that they had the edge in the regular season series, and they just seem to be able to get things done. They're, they're really, really well-coached. Flint is well-coached, but Saginaw really, really well-coached. I got a good feeling about them going into this. I, you know, I, I can't blame you for that too. You know, both teams, you know, lost their last game of the season going in, but I listen, Flint is a team that is very dangerous. And if Saginaw slips up in these first two games, Flint is not an easy place to go into. We have seen London go into Flint and those games become track meets. And I don't think that's what Saginaw wants to do. Flint was one of the highest scoring teams in the Ontario Hockey League. The only team they were behind in, there were two teams they were behind in just in the Western Conference. That was the Sarnia Sting who exploded at the end of the year. And then the conference leading Windsor Spitfires. They had more goals than the London Knights this season. They had more goals than the Kitchener Rangers, than the Guelph Storm, than everybody else outside of those two teams. And I think if Flint finds a way to get one in Saginaw after games one or two, Saginaw is not going to have a fun time going into Flint because now it's about taking a game back. So I, I'm just going to go opposite with you just for the fun of the conversation. And I think that Flint finds a way to edge themselves. And, and move on here. I, I just like what they've done. I've watched them play against London and I could see that happening. Love it. The other series in the West has Sarnia up against Guelph. Sarnia went on a 17 game unbeaten streak that took them into the final weekend of the season before they were beaten by the Erie Otters who are not in the playoffs this year, but this is a dangerous, dangerous team. The season series 
actually went to three shootouts. Now, you can probably toss out two of those, Kyle, because they were before the trade deadline and before Sarnia added people like Ethan Del Mastro and Luca Del Bel Belouz. Those two have been huge, huge to what they have done. And then you add in Nolan Burke and Sasha Pastajov and Ty Voigt, and it, it gets scary fast. Don't take penalties against the Sarnia Sting. The yeah. Guelph Storm... They did take them to another shootout in the second half of the season. They've got Max Nemestikov, who will be out to prove something to his former team. But there was a game that was played that didn't go to a shootout between these two clubs, and it ended 9-1 for Sarnia. You can't let the sting get rolling. And I just think in a seven-game series, they're going to find a way to get rolling four times, and they will beat the Guelph Storm. Well, and that's exactly what you said. It's not that Guelph can't go in and beat Sarnia. It's you got to beat Sarnia four times. That's a conversation that's been had anytime, you know, a team goes up against uh, a team like a Sarnia Sting or anything like that. It's you can beat them one time. Great. You got to do it three more times after that. And I think that's going to be the difficult part. And Sarnia was just uh, they were the most dangerous team in the league heading down the stretch. That 17 game unbeaten streak where they were just I there were multiple times where they had put up double digits on teams. They go into Niagara and, and win 10 three. They'd go into, uh, you know, wherever. I think it was Oshawa one game, and they put up nine. They were on something, and I think they're feeling really good about themselves. I, you know, maybe Guelph can squeak in a game, maybe two, but I think Sarnia, along with their goaltender, Ben Goodrow, who has had moments in the World Junior Hockey Championships as well, he's got a lot of big game experience. That's a really tough draw for Guelph. I'm going to go with Sarnia on that one too. All right. If we look over at the Eastern Conference, I'm still really sad that Hamilton and Peterborough did not meet. It was so close. They'd made a trade this year, and Nick Lardis had gone from the Peterborough Peets to the Hamilton Bulldogs, and he had grown into the player that he's going to be. He's going to be one of the best players in the OHL for a while. Peterborough's been having some difficulties in the way of consistency. It'll be Peterborough-Sudbury, and I really think Sudbury will give them a run. Unless Peterborough sorts out whatever is happening to them internally, the Sudbury Wolves have the firepower to beat the Peets. Now, the Peets will beat you up along the way, but I think the Sudbury Wolves have a chance at that. Ottawa, Oshawa, that's Ottawa. And unfortunately, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're just a, they're a monster team to beat. North Bay is going to be awfully tough for Mississauga to beat. I think that goes four straight. And if Mississauga scores a few times, they say, hey, good. We gave our young guys a chance to see what this is going to be like because they're going to have three of the top well, 17-year-olds next year. And then the other series is Hamilton and Barry. And Barry's physical, Barry's big. Hamilton will get that experience. But I don't see much shaking out other than maybe a five versus four upset, the Sudbury over Peterborough, that isn't yep. just going to go as planned, where it's Ottawa, North Bay, and Barry moving on. And a North Bay-Barry second-round series would be amazing. Kyle, do you see anything different? I no, I don't. You you said everything I was thinking, Mike. I, I don't think Ottawa is gonna drop that first. They are way too good. They if 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 there's the description of going all in, it's exactly what Ottawa did. They added some massive names at the deadline. North Bay is such a stout team as well. Both North Bay and Ottawa were the only two teams in I believe the entire OHL that did not surrender 200 goals. So it's not only can they put goals up, they don't let them in. So they are gonna be incredible incredibly tough to finish the season. North Bay won 11 straight games. They have an 11 game winning streak going into the playoffs. Ottawa had won five straight. They were nine and one over their last 10. Uh, Barry was eight, one, oh, and one in their last 10. Just those three alone. 
I think, like you said, maybe Peterborough Sudbury, they're a little bit closer in the standings. They're only three points separated. We could see potentially Sudbury pulling out the upset there, but I would just, I'd lean Peterborough just based on the fact that they also don't surrender a lot of goals. They only gave up 207 on the year as opposed to 260 by Sudbury. It is going to be fun, and the Knights get going on Friday, March 31st. Get your tickets at LondonKnights.com. Game two will be Sunday, April the 2nd, 2 p.m., the Knights have kicked things off with their playoff party at Massey's No Frills. Now it's time for real. Kyle, can't wait. We'll break down the first two games next week. Oh, I can't wait. Playoff hockey, be there. Tickets available, like you said. And we will recap the first two and get ready for games three and four in, of course, Owen Sound at the Bay Shore. Listen to the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can review on Apple Podcasts if you'd like to as well. At Stubbs980, at Kyle Grimard on social media. Mike, we'll see you then. Playoff hockey, baby.